0: Que sera sera whatever will be will be the future's not
1: ours to see que sera, sera.
2: welcome to episode 1 of you are going to be fantastic my
1: name is Jenny Ryan and I'm Ann Foster
2: welcome to the podcast where we talk to people
1: about uh, what they thought they were going to do with their lives and then compared to what actually happened and actually, I just wanted to mention, because we've had some feedback after our, epi- our last episode Eric. Episode prototype. <laughs> episode zero. Um, and I just wanted to clarify that, you know, we really go wherever people's stories take us, but please don't think that this is a depressing podcast where we're just like, your life sucks. How did you get here? Like, it's very it's much like... It's like, your
2: life is so much different from what you thought it would be. But overwhelmingly, it's a positive experience. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, in the the name of it, you're going to be fantastic. And I mean, we, we ask people, do you feel like your life is fantastic? And thus far, everybody has. People do. And I mean, not to say that we're not going to interview someone who doesn't feel that way, but just to clarify, just so you know, you're not in for like a downer of a podcast. The name is kind of tongue in cheek. <laughs> so we interviewed a couple people. We were at a Canada Day barbecue and we sort of stole the shed and set up our equipment and made it our little recording studio. So, and interviewed people who we don't know very well. Yeah, we grabbed some people at the party, and so uh, the
2: this interview today, um, it's Jen and Julie. We did two people at the same time,
1: uh, doing a um, interview with two friends, with two sort of friends of friends who I think are now our friends. Our friends, we're all friends. Yeah, so here's Jen and Julie, and they're super interesting stories.
2: So I'm here today with Jen and Julie. Jen and Julie, it's a, a two-people interview today. Um, I'm going to ask you questions about your lives. Are you
0: ready? We are. Definitely.
2: OK, so um, I'll start with Jen. Cast your mind back to when you were 18, 19, leaving high school. What did you think you were going to do? What, what did you envision for yourself?
3: Uh, I turned 18 the summer between grade 12 and first year university. and. I didn't have a clear sense of what I wanted to do, and I thought that the best plan would be to um, take over management of the Susie Shear that I worked in in West Edmonton Mall, and uh, learn about life and learn about managing um, before I made up my mind to go to university.
2: Okay, so you weren't going to be a Susie Shear manager forever. You were just going to do it till you Figured out what you wanted to do.
3: I wasn't entirely sure, and I did. I did partly think that um, moving up the uh, ranks at Susie Shear <laughs> might lead to um, what might lead to some some wealth and glory of some sort. Anyway. Okay. Um, but uh, there were a few things stacked against me. One is the complete horror of my mother at that at that idea. And uh-huh. the other thing was I was always getting into trouble because I refused to wear the clothes at <gasps> Susie Shear. So... so so I don't know that they, they would have found me good management material.
0: <laughs> yeah, anyway. that's
2: a different style. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Julie, you were 18. What's Susie Shear in your future? Were you off to university? What happened?
0: Oh, I turned 18. Uh, I was in love. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember much other than that which maybe was the love thing uh but uh when i turned 18 i was right after that diagnosed with cancer and so Ah. that changed some of the perspective i had on where i was heading in my life
2: i guess it would so you had been planning on like school university something
0: yeah i was enrolled to go in university i actually started my first month of university when i had to drop out to start treatments
2: wow okay so that would derail plans it did, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so Jen, what happened? So you didn't get to Shear.
3: So was, uh, yeah, no, I went. I went instead to. I quit Susie Shear. I got a job in a greenhouse. I enrolled uh, uh, at University of Alberta, and I studied everything under the sun. I was so confused. Religious studies, philosophy, Russian literature, economic geography, everything. Until finally, after two years, they wanted me to pick a major, and I couldn't. So I I quit university mm. for a year, and worked worked in a health food co op.
2: Okay, in mm-hmm. Alberta still in Edmonton. Yeah, in Edmonton. All <laughs> right. Um, and you, what happened after cancer?
0: Well, I Psychosis. spent I spent a year doing treatments, so that was uh, about all the good times you can that it would be. <laughs> it right, was. Yeah. Uh, um, so I did six months of chemotherapy and then a little break and then a month of radiation therapy. And uh, so I was just, I was really sick. I kept, I actually kept working a little bit in between there. Uh, I was a waitress at the time. No, I was a hostess at the time. I became a waitress later. Um, I was a hostess at a restaurant. And so on my good days, I'd go in and uh, they'd, I worked at a place where they were fine with uh, becoming in. When I could, and wow,
2: that's nice, yeah, it was them they
0: were they it was a great she was a great employer, and um, yeah, and so I was known as the hat girl at the front, and <laughs> some days I would not wear my hat, but I got tired of the comments, but
2: so what did that do to you when your friends were off like starting their lives, and here you are, like possibly like your life ending, if that's a grim way to put
0: it, yeah, i I mean, it was definitely changed me uh, you know there was sort of the before cancer me and after cancer me it, it made me into a very different person uh, i probably identified a lot more with uh, the way life in some ways really was I, I i was very sheltered as a as a kid and so i think it opened my eyes to a whole other world i might not have seen and uh certainly got rid of a lot of vanity that, uh, yeah. was ingrained in me. I, I was a figure skater for a lot of years and some of those worlds are, um, built on vanity. And uh, I can imagine too, at 18, people are so concerned
2: about what they look
0: like. Yeah. And, and so concerned about how that,
2: like your looks have such a role in what you do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and I very quickly realized that, uh, that Th- th- how fickle that is, that, are, yeah. that our looks, you know, I, I looked, I, when I looked in the mirror, I didn't recognize the figure looking back sometime. Uh, I remember one time at Christmas, I was, uh, I looked in the mirror, and I, I, was a, I was very, very sick at this time. And I I just, I was shocked, because I, I actually thought that there was an alien looking back wow. at me, I, I didn't recognize the wow. face. And, uh, but it made me realize, because nothing changed about who I was on the inside. Yeah. And so it was big lessons to learn as an 18 year old.
2: Did you feel like you could make future plans? Like Jen over there is in the food co-op, maybe not needing to make future plans because you were just, I don't know. But did you feel like you even were allowed to as a sick person?
0: No, I i, I made day-to-day plans of, uh, like I said, there was good days and bad days. Yeah. and times when I you know I could get to the mountains or times where I could go to work um but but I certainly wasn't thinking about uh what was coming next because we didn't we we really didn't know if there would be a next and for a time it it seemed like there might not be and so yeah I I also probably learned to live in the moment not that I carried that into my life (laughs) lessons but uh it's something I remember is important right
2: huh Yeah, because anyone I've known who's been ill, they've been older, right? So to be that young and sort of on the cusp of grown-up, yes.
0: That was another thing. I built some friendships with a lot of older people because Mm -hmm. I was going through treatments with with other women who were uh, quite elderly, and and so I developed some real bonds with – and I I lost a lot of people too. Uh, Mm -hmm. I lost a number of people that year because not everyone made it through their treatments, and so uh, I learned a lot about about friendships and and loss and, and that as well.
2: So your mm-hmm. life in the food co-op, mm-hmm. perhaps less introvert, intro, uh, introspective. I don't know. Yeah, I mean,
3: probably less introspective. <laughs> but I was, I was um, uh, determined to, determined to live my life according to what I wanted to do, not according to a career. So I, I went to art school, mm-hmm. and uh, just thinking about what Julie said about living in the moment. So I thought, if I can just do what I love to do it'll never feel like a job. So I uh, I uh, shaved my head, put on my army boots, and drove out to Nova Scotia. And uh, so you were both hairless, just both hairless. one by choice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 10 years older than Julie, though, so we weren't hairless at the same time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I went to art school in Halifax and then New York City. And, um, and I didn't ever make a plan, actually. I was in my 30s when a colleague of mine told me about setting goals and I my eyes bugged out and, and I said, You you actually do that? And she said, Of course I do that. That's how I get things done and it had never been anything I'd ever been taught or that I did. And so I but I was very fortunate and fell into a lot of interesting work over, over the years.
2: So, okay, I'm someone who needs goals and plans and like, otherwise I feel a huge sense of anxiety, but then I also feel anxiety because those goals don't actually happen. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the constant state of anxiety, but did you just like drift along without goals? Like both of you, neither of you had like, in 10 years, I will be married with two kids. Like you just kind of like lived. What does that feel like?
3: (laughs) I have no idea. I, I didn't worry very much. And I did a lot of things that I now look back on and I think, wow, why did my parents ever let me do that? That was so dangerous. The places I've lived, the places I've traveled to, who I was hanging out with, just choices I made over work. Um, uh, And it all worked out. I was lucky. I survived it all. And it led me to interesting places. But I don't, I actually don't, I don't live with a lot of anxiety. I don't set goals. I still don't. I don't worry about the future too much, and I don't I don't feel like I carry around a lot of anxiety. But I worked really hard the whole time just to do things that I was really interested in.
0: It's actually one of the things I love about being friends with Jen is that she's such an unanxious person and and lives so much in the moment, which uh, reminds me to do that as well because I probably tend more towards some of the anxiety. And um, so for me, after I'd finished my treatments, uh, the I actually went through a, quite a severe depression after. After having cancer, uh, I, w- I had a really good year. The, <laughs> sounds weird, but I had a really good year the year I had cancer because every moment was potentially my last. But then when I realized I was actually going to live, that's when things got tricky for me because I wasn't really sure that I should and or should have, and and I'd lost so many people. I, I, you know, that survivor guilt and, and just wrestling with not being sure, like, well, now what? I, I didn't have any goals. Now what do I do with my life? I, yeah. I wasn't actually planning to have one. I didn't think... Whoa. Yeah, so, but. what did you do? So, I, I went to. Oh. Can I
3: say what you did? What yeah. I always love about what you did. Yeah, go ahead. She took up smoking <laughs> to yeah. prove that she was still alive, damn it. Yeah, and she that is could. like the most 20 year old
2: way to say, fuck you, cancer, that I've ever yeah, heard.
0: Yeah, I sure I'm did. Smoke. <laughs> yeah, um, well up smoking and went to a bible school at the same time, <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> awesome. wow yeah It's um, amazing no i made some bad choices i i isolated myself from family and friends and community for a year in what was not a healthy environment for me but uh but then eventually came back and i started university and that was a healthier space for it gave me something In that constant depression, it gave me something to focus my day-to-day life on. So I became very studious. I I really uh, put everything. It it was um, there was no meaning to anything for me. So I just put everything I could into my studies, and uh, and it led to me being a really excellent student, which is probably what got me to where I am. (laughs) And where are you now? Uh, I'm a sociology professor, and uh, so I finished my PhD a few years ago, and. and so that's a combined love of of uh, people, and um, I, I've always really loved people and working with people. I uh, have done a. I, I spent most of that time um, while I was doing university working in the shelter system and and working um, with a lot of different people, and um, and so combining. Those two loves is what I've done in sociology is I love working with people and uh, I also like sitting in office and reading and writing and working.
2: So did you move to Saskatoon because of
0: work then or? Yes, we did, yeah. uh, My my family and I, we moved here for my position, yeah. Okay,
2: so um,
0: and when you were little
2: would you have ever thought that you'd be a professor? No, gosh, no.
0: (laughs) I don't even think I would have thought that 10 years ago, or or, um, sometimes even, you know, while I was doing my master's, well, I I never, I am definitely an unintended academic. I I didn't go into school intending to become an academic in any way, shape, or form. I wanted to be a journalist, a social worker, a nurse, uh, uh, all sorts of things. Um, In a a lot of ways, you know, um, wanting to Go and save the world, or fix the world, or, or those kinds of things, and that's what I loved about sociology was um, it, it taught me how to actually uh, embrace the world and understand the world, and not and to stop trying to just fix it and, and right. live in it and, and live in community with people. And uh, so, so that was one of my my loves of that that discipline. That why I just kept going. I just
1: have a question for both of you. Um, we've met you here at this barbecue where there are children running around. You're both mothers. Is that something you always expected out of your life?
3: Um,
1: I certainly never did.
3: I didn't want children. And all through my 20s, um, hanging out with uh, women my age at art school, w- women would express their 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 longing for babies. And... Um, and I didn't understand it at all. I had no feeling for babies um, and had really no feeling for children. And I think I was probably the least likely person in people's imaginations to ever become a mother. And uh, um, I didn't start to get urges to have any babies until I met uh, the man who would become my husband when I was in my 30s. And then we didn't have our first child until I was uh couple weeks shy two weeks shy of 39 so and then my second child just uh, two months short of 42 so um so I'm 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 a, what do they call it when you're slow to grow up that's me you're a you're a late, a late bloomer I'm a very late bloomer <laughs> yes so I had I had a good 25 years of just um living like an adolescent in many respects and but I like it and you are you are a student still well, yeah, I had a career for 20 years, and I've gone back to school periodically. Um, but my work has always involved research and writing and um, uh, putting, putting, putting ideas together. And so finally, uh, I decided, after my second child was born, to go back to school finally and get a PhD. So Julie, did you anticipate children?
0: It wasn't really. Some, it wasn't something I really thought about much. So, uh, my partner and I, we moved here, um, and I it, we moved here when I was starting my PhD. And uh, the only time I ever felt an urge to have kids was. Uh, I had this really strong urge, and I, I told my partner, like, I, I I just think we should have a baby, and he's like, Dude, we just moved here, and you've just started your PhD, and and uh, and then I found out a couple days later I was pregnant, and ah, uh, so that was fantastic. and wow, uh, Good we, timing. Yeah, we were both excited about it, but uh, but then the second time I had an urge, it was uh, we were on a road trip to Red Deer, and uh, I was just like, I really think we should have our second baby, and Tony goes, Oh, let's go get a test, and so. <laughs> (laughs) Sure enough, I peed on a stick in Starbucks, and yeah, we were pregnant with my second. So so my urges came (laughs) post-pregnancy.
2: Um, And so you both live here now. Jen, I feel like you've had a lot of uh, exciting places to live. How do Mm -hmm. you feel about living in Saskatoon?
3: So I have lived in a lot of places. I've lived in, uh, I grew up in Australia and spent a lot of time living in Asia as a child, particularly Singapore, Malaysia, and then lived in Edmonton and Halifax and New York City and Milan and Rome and uh, Ottawa and Kamloops and now Saskatoon. But I was born in Saskatoon. My dad was at actually working at the University of Saskatchewan in 1970 and I happened to be born here a month after they moved here and so it's always been on my passport and everywhere I've gone I open up my passport and there it always says Saskatoon Saskatchewan it's such a beautiful name and it had such a great art scene and it was famous for it across the country visual arts uh, writing music everything and so when a job opened up here I it felt like a homecoming to me And so I moved back to the place I was born and my children were born in the same hospital that I was born in. And um, it feels great. I love it here. And it feels like the first place that it feels like home to me, even though I was only three when I left here.
2: So do you guys have any um, regrets about anything that's led you to this place and time? You both seem like you feel like your lives seem pretty fantastic, would you say?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I, I... uh, regrets. Of, I think anyone has some kinds of regrets, but uh, I'm I'm could not be more content with where I am right now but I also know that that's precarious, right? That, um, 10 years from now or five years from now, who knows? Right. But, but right now I, I you know, Jen describes this as home and I feel very much like I've just come home and, uh, my family feels at home. I can see the peace in, in my partner and my kids. Um, so we feel it's a, it's an extremely good time. Um, that can change, but, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for the time we're in.
3: And Jen, any regrets? You know, my only regrets are times when I've been a, like a total asshole to people or have been really stupid <laughs> and, you know, make people feel bad. And I've done enough of that. Um, but no, this is, you know, there's lots of other ways I could be living right now with more financial security and things like that. I didn't make those choices in my life. But I think that we, everyone always just does the best with what they've got. And you make the choices according to what you know how to choose mm-hmm. at the time. And so... Um, you know, I'm surrounded by wonderful people here. Mm-hmm. We've got a great community, great street and, um, amazing friends. So, I mean, what, like, there's nothing really to regret in that. So
2: you don't regret not climbing the Susie Shear management ladder?
0: Imagine,
2: they do imagine you would to be the Western division management <laughs> team leader. Um, final question. Do either of you remember what you wanted to be
0: when you were like five? Oh, I don't, I do remember my mom always commenting, like the theme about me as a kid was I was very empathetic. Like um, the movie Annie really stuck with me and I just empathized a lot that that was sort of, her constant and justice. So they always right. used to say I should be a lawyer because uh, I would argue intensely against anything unjust, and, and that uh, they uh, weren't surprised when they saw where I was heading. But they, they, they did think I'd probably end up going into law.
2: Jen, what were you going to be? I wanted
3: to be a Chinese chopstick dancer. Okay. I, I had my, my auntie Weena, who, uh, who was part of my extended family in, in Australia, did this beautiful dance. I watched her. She was on TV once where she, she had a beautiful gown on, and she was dancing with chopsticks in her hand and, <laughs> and clicking them to the music. And I thought, that, that was the bee's knees. That was like the very best thing that you could ever aspire to.
2: Well, there's still time. And, and you can still do it. Any, any plans? You're both, you know, still young. So, any, any future goals? Any Chinese chopstick dancing, perhaps in your future, or law
0: school. Not law school. I, I, I do do a lot of work in law now, um, and I actually contemplated law school this last few years, but. Um, but I've decided I like the side of the law that I'm on. I really like being able to intervene in, in uh, things that I see unjust with the law and, and working uh, to change what I see as a lot of limitations of the legal system. And I think I would have been actually frustrated as a lawyer having to work so much within. Uh, so so I, I really – I wouldn't change for a second the work that I do. Um, I still – I'll still take up things. I want I, of. The things that I probably would have loved to have done more is more acrobatic stuff. I, um, As a figure skater and, and some of those things, I still really like acrobatic things. And I do that with my kids all the time. I'm flinging them around on, uh, in acrobatic ways. And so uh, one day I might consider doing like an acro yoga or something along those lines. But I'm not there yet.
2: The Geriatric Olympics away. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> Jen, do you have any future goals? No, I, I, uh, I'm... I want to finish my PhD in the next year and I want to get a job and <laughs> ideally it will be in Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm uh what I'm, I'm trying to, I am not saying no to anything right now. I'm keeping all my doors open right now with the goal of it being very employable in a year's time.
2: Well, if Susie Shear is out there and they were <laughs> looking for someone to do their, I don't know, arts management, there is somebody waiting here in Saskatoon. Uh, thank you very much for speaking with me, Janet and Julie. It's been nice, a, a delight.
3: Yeah,
1: So that was episode one, technically, of You're Going to Be Fantastic.
2: Thank you for joining us. Um, if you've liked what you've heard, you can send us a message. We have various uh, social media things you can <laughs> so we follow. Have,
1: so on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, we're at YWGTBF for the first letters of You're Going to Be Fantastic. Or you can email us at youwergoingtobefantastic at gmail.com. Um, so I'm Ann Foster. I'm Jenny Ryan. Thanks for listening.